right, well, it's good to be back with you today. I had a great time last week. Uh, took the Sunday off and celebrated my wife's birthday. So we uh, were able to go to church with her mom uh, last week. So, But we're back in our continue to be in our series, Family Vacation. We're going to be in Psalm 113 today. I encourage you to go ahead and turn into the book of Psalms 113. Nine simple verses, but I pray that those verses are impactful for you today as I believe they will be. Uh, we are in the Psalms for just a couple more weeks, and then we'll jump back into uh, Revelation uh, in chapter 17, and we get into the good stuff, all right? So, but uh, we're going to continue in Psalms for two more weeks. And what we've been doing is we've been in the Psalms intentionally to help us to prepare our hearts and to prepare our, prepare our prayer lives. And really, the book of Psalms, as a reminder for you, are, are a collection of songs. And those songs uh, were meant to give word to our prayers, to give us things to tell the Lord and say back to the Lord and pray to the Lord. And you understand the character of God in these passages. You understand theology in these passages. But really what it's meant to do is to tune our hearts and to lift our heads and to lift our eyes and up into the glory of our God, up into the glory of our Savior and our Lord. And today that is exactly what the psalmist does. But before we get there, I just want to think about the things in our lives that we oftentimes lift our eyes to instead of the Lord. And if we're honest, then we, we really just need to be honest with ourselves because it, it does not pay to be dishonest with our own hearts and our own minds. And, and maybe, maybe you're here today and you are uh, uh, not a believer in Jesus Christ yet, and I pray that you be honest with the Lord today. Be honest with your own heart today. But even us believers, even those who have been saved for a long time, we need to be honest with our own hearts and our own lives. We need to preach the word to ourselves daily and, and weekly and monthly and constantly so that we know where our own hearts are and realize where our own lives are. And let's be honest with ourselves. And there are things that you and I, if we're not careful, we will gaze upon longer than we should, more often than we should. There are things that we gaze on with, with more intensity or more uh, adoration than we do the things that we should lift our eyes to and gaze upon. And so in this life, we're always looking and trying to get a leg up. We're always trying to get ahead or be elevated to a higher station. And that's the things that we, we look toward and we gaze at and we look at and consume our own hearts with. We notice when others have nicer things and we say things like, man, I wish I could have that or wish I could be like that person. And so we lift our eyes and we gaze upon the things of this world and the things that, that the world says are the things that we should want and have and move after and go after. We want to be lifted in this life in our own sense. But I wonder how often we are more concerned with this life than we are with the life to come and being lifted there 
What if we took the same intensity? What if we took the same adoration? What if we took the same time and attention that it took to be elevated at our job or to be lifted up in our education or to be lifted up in our family or to be lifted up in the community and we spent that same amount of time or more to be worried about where we are lifted in the life to come? Where we, are we lifted up into Christ and we, are we lifted up into Him and what matters eternally rather than just here? Now listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't want the nicer things, that you shouldn't spend your money on those things. I just don't want you and I to be had and consumed with and, 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 and caught up in the things of this world to the detriment of our spiritual life. And you understand that it's very easy to do. It's very easy to get so caught up with the things that we're chasing in this life that we fail, we fail to spend the time that we should be chasing after Christ and spirituality and the life to come. So I don't want this world to have our hearts. I don't want this world to have my heart. I don't want this world to have your heart. I want the Lord to have your heart. And I want you to be lifted into him. And so the question today is, who does the Lord lift? Who does the Lord lift? How are we lifted in God's eyes? How are we viewed in his eyes? How are we lifted in his eyes? And Shouldn't we care more about how he views us than the world around us views us? And you know the answer, the Sunday school answer is very easy. Oh, yes, that's what we should do. But in actuality, in reality, what should we do? And how can we do this? And how can we be lifted? And if God wants to be, if we care more about what God views us and how he sees us and how he lifts us, how do we Get that. How, what is it that makes God elevate a person? Now, some of us may be uncomfortable even with asking that. Why would we want to be elevated by the Lord? We'll get to that. I think this passage in this psalm, as we explore Psalm 113, I think we'll discover the answer. And by so doing, we'll see three things that you have got to come to grips with. And I pray that we'll discover what it means to be lifted by the Lord. Would you, to honor the word of the Lord, would you, if you're able, would you stand as we read this together? Hallelujah. Give praise, servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be blessed both now and forever. From the rising of the sun, we sang this a moment ago, to, the, to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord is exalted above all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one enthroned on high? And then listen to this. Who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the trash heap 
in order to seat them with nobles, with the nobles of his people. He gives the children, childless woman a household, making her the joyful mother of children. Hallelujah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We see three so very important things here that I think you and I need to really grasp and come to grips with in our own lives as we are being honest with our own selves. And the very first one is that the Lord is worthy to be praised. The Lord is worthy of our praise. The psalmist begins with a very word of praise. Rather than looking horizontally for things worthy of adulation and things that, you, that we should emulate or, or be like, the, the, the psalmist shines the spotlight where it deserves to be shown. He shines the light upon the Lord God. He, he shines the light not on people. He, he doesn't shine the light on you and I. He doesn't shine the light on nature, the world, or anything in the world. No, he points the light directly at the Lord God. Really, that word hallelujah means to shine, to shine. Halal means to shine on God, to, to lift our eyes and lift our gaze and to point the spotlight for the place that you and I should fix our eyes. And that is exactly how the psalmist begins. He says, hallelujah, look to the Lord, look to his eyes, look to his face. And so he shines the spotlight on the worthy one, the only one worthy. And so what we must realize, if we want to be lifted, if we want the Lord to, to see us and lift us up, then first you and I have to lift our gaze to the only one who's worthy. We can't look at the surrounding world. We can't look at the things around us that take our attention away and expect to receive the same kind of elevation. We have to look to the Lord God. We praise him and lift our hands and lift our eyes and lift our hearts. Listen, I know, I know that this is a Southern Baptist church, all right? Can we just stop for just a moment? Let me just take a moment, all right? I know, listen, I, I was born and bred Southern Baptist. And the Lord did something in my heart, in my youth, even in a Southern Baptist church, where I realized there's times where it's important for us to lift our, not only our voices, not only our faces, but to lift our hands to praise the Lord. That's okay. It's all right in this room. This is a safe place for us to lift our hearts because when we lift our hands, we are posturing ourselves in a place of humility and, and, and willingness and, and to receive what only God can give. We are, in a way, shining the spotlight on him. Now listen, do not hear me say that if you do not raise your hands, somehow you are not praising the Lord. I'm not saying that. You, that's a, that's a, that is something between you and the Lord. But I personally received freedom in my 20s when I did some, little, some things that were a little outside the Southern Baptist box. There were times... 
where I would even lay on the ground and prost and, and prost uh, hold on let me say this the right way I would lay on the ground flat let's just say that we want to use <laughs> there's a very funny story I don't have time to tell you Jason has told this story and I don't want to mess that up but just it's messing up the word prostrate all right but we'll just say I but anyway all that to say that's an aside okay we have got to get our hearts in the right place now if you can do that and your your hands are in your pockets or you know whatever I that's fine I don't care I I want your heart to be in the right place sometimes and let's be honest there are times where we do raise our hands and it's your heart's in the wrong place too so it really doesn't matter it does not necessarily signify whether or not you are holy or spiritual but I wonder if you might just test the waters every now and again and say what if I raise my hands right now what would that do for my worship because and back to the point I took us there I got us lost for just a moment I'm bringing us right back all right to the text because the point is exactly like the psalmist does the point is to lift our hearts and eyes like a shining spotlight on the Lord God. And that is what we need. He is deserving of our praise. He's deserving of our adoration. Look to the worthy Savior, the only God who cares deeply for you and me. Look to the glory of the Lord. Look to his name, and may his name be blessed forever. That word name, it means favor or glory. And so what we want to do, as this passage tells us, when it says, let the name of the Lord be blessed now and forever, that means that we want to glorify him, lift him high. We want his favor to be known. We want his renown to be known. We want to, we want to herald and tell the world how great our God is. If you want the Lord, if you want to be lifted up, then you and I have to lift up the Lord. Rather than looking horizontally at the world and seeking in the wrong place to find our elevation, it's almost counterintuitive, but we look to the Lord who is elevated, and that is when we are in the right place to say, hey, world, instead of me looking at you, why don't you look at me and look at him? And we glorify the name of the Lord and his renown and his favor so that the world, too, can see his glory and that he is worthy of our praise. And if, if all we're ever doing is just looking horizontally, man, we'll miss it. And not only will we miss it, but our loved ones will miss it and the people that God has planted us among will miss it because all we do is just look just like them. But what if they could see in you and me our, our eyes fixed on the Lord, our lives fixed on the Lord and by, by byproduct begin looking at him as well. The Lord is worthy to be praised. And, and it says, as we sang, 
This is to be done every day. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, let the name of the Lord be praised. It's something that you and I should do daily. It's something that you and I need to do every day to lift high the name of Christ, to look, uh, look longingly into the eyes of our Lord, to lift our heads toward Him. We ought to do that every day. The second thing we see is that the Lord is high and lifted up. So the Lord is worthy to be, be praised because the Lord is high and lifted up. In verses 4 and 5, the psalmist helps us to see that there is no one like our God. No one. No one, no thing, nothing is like our God. He is high and exalted. He is lifted up. He is above all things. In this passage, it doesn't say that he's just above the earth. It says that he is, he is exalted above all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. He's greater and bigger and more amazing than you and I could ever think or imagine. More than anything we've ever seen, more than anything we've ever conceived in the fact of heaven, he's higher and greater and above all those things. There is no one like our God. There is no one beyond him. He is bigger than all things. And if we are going to be lifted by him, we must realize who he is and how special he is and how big he is. He's bigger than big. There's, there's oftentimes I will use the word transcendent. I know what that means, and it means a lot to me. But the, the, the most simple way to describe that is he's bigger than we could ever imagine. He's bigger than big. He is above and beyond and so glorious. His glory sits on a throne far above and beyond all we could ever imagine. This, this idea that we are shaping out here is that the, the Lord does lift people, but we first must understand that he is lifted, that he is high and exalted. And it's a formula in Scripture that we see quite often. We see it in Isaiah 6. In fact, we, we sang the words of Isaiah 6 earlier when we sang, Holy, holy, holy. It's the very same words that six seraphim sang to the Lord in Isaiah's vision of the Lord when the glory of the Lord filled the temple and shone all around him. And these seraphim couldn't even look upon the glory of the Lord and they even covered their feet and then they had wings that flew. And so these seraphim covered, uh, they had six wings. They covered their eyes with two, flew with two, and covered their feet because he was holy. He was transcendent. He was bigger than big and worthy of praise. He was high and exalted so much so that when Isaiah encountered him in that moment, Isaiah only saw, uh, was able to say uh, a word that, that was really this, this really uh, expressive word, and it's just like, whoa, whoa is me. 
And he described that I am unclean because I am in the presence of this holy God. And so all I can do is be amazed and awestruck and, and, and flabbergasted at his presence. And in so doing, all I know to say is that I have no desire, I have no reason, I don't deserve to be in this moment in the presence of this God. And I am unclean. I have no business being here. We see a similar vision, some of the same words reiterated in Revelation. And we see these where God, Jesus Christ now, the, the Lion of Judah and the, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, he, he's sitting upon the throne and, and all of these 24 elders and all of these creatures and beasts and, and humans are worshiping him upon the throne, saying the same thing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And in that moment, there's crashes of lightning and there's, uh, there's uh, all kind of things surrounding his glory. So the, the Lord is high and lifted and exalted and yet that God which seems like he would have want to have no business with you and I wants to have an audience with you and I that amazing high and exalted God welcomes you into his presence Now, it's not even for you and I to grovel at his feet, but what he does seems counterintuitive. He lifts us. When we come to him, he lifts us. And that's the third and final point. The Lord lifts the lowly. The psalmist masterfully describes this. Number one, if we are wanting to be lifted by the Lord, we must experience Him exalted. And when we experience Him exalted, we understand our true plight, as Isaiah did, and the fact that we need Him. And we realize, I don't have any reason to be here, but I know I need to be here. When we see that the Lord is high and lifted up, then we realize how humble and lowly we truly are. The psalmist gives us three pictures, these representatives of lowliness. And he says that this God, this bigger than big God, raises the poor not only that, he stoops down. He stoops down. And notice that he has to stoop down because he's so high and exalted, but he, he stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. And when he does, he doesn't come to condemn. He doesn't come pointing fingers of, you better get right and you better get that out of your life and you better stop this and stop that. Now, there's a time for that, but that's not what he's doing here. The God, the transcendent God, the holy God stoops down to see you and I. And he starts lifting people. He starts raising people's eyes. And who does he do that to? We have three pictures. Number one, he says, 
He raises the poor from the dust. This word poor means thin or dangling. It's this picture of, of helplessness. You understand? It's this, this, this picture of extreme poverty that you have no chance on your own. It's this, this picture of, of, of extreme dependence upon someone else. The poor is even the is in the dust. He says he lifts the poor out of the dust. They can't even, they, have, they haven't the strength to even walk. They, they crawl or they just lay in the dust. And it says when the Lord, this God on high, stoops down, he, he begins to lift the thin, powerless, poor, dust-wallering dust people. God lifts up the, the poor. He doesn't lift up the religious. He doesn't lift up the wealthy. He doesn't lift up the strong. He lifts the weak, poor, incapable, dust wallowers. So we want to be lifted by the Lord. Then I'm not saying we got to go wall around in dust, but what I'm saying is that we've got to put position and posture our lives to say, I don't deserve to be here. Woe is me, a man of unclean lips, and I just waller in the dust, and I need someone who can lift me up, and only God, only God can. He also says he lifts the needy from the trash heap. The picture here is a beggar. The word needy in the original language is a beggar. It was significant. It was signifying of the lowest class of people. The ones who had to dig in the trash for their next meal couldn't afford to go and eat steak and whatever else was was desirable. They, they had to dig in the trash just to find a morsel and sit on the ground and beg. And that is who the Lord, when he stoops down and looks upon you and I, he's looking for the ones who posture themselves as beggars, needy, who used to dig around in the trash heap, but now they feast in the presence of God on high. In fact, he, he says that. He says that not only does he lift them out of this state they are in, but he lifts them to nobility. He seats them at the table with the ones who, who are already there. He places them on equal ground with nobility. And so you and I have to posture ourselves to say, Lord, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace, but I beg of you. And the Lord lifts the lowly. And the last example the Lord gives is a childless woman. I don't know what this is like, but I know many. Some of my own sister-in-laws who had trouble conceiving. That, and I know it's the, the, one of the greatest hurts And that word is barren. It's unable to 
have children. And I know from, from um, not my experience, but from, from knowing others who face this, sometimes you can do everything they have out there for you to do, and it just doesn't seem like it's in the cards for you, and it's nothing that you've done to deserve it. There's nothing you've done wrong. You've tried everything, and it still didn't work. And what we see in this is that the type of people the Lord stoops down, and when he stoops down, he lifts their head. Are the ones that realize there's nothing I've done, I can do. I've done everything in my own strength. I've done everything in my own power to lift myself, and I can't. And what the Lord does here, and he says, he lifts the childless woman and makes her fertile. What the Lord wants to do in your heart and your life today, number one, he wants you to approach him rightly, that he is high and exalted and lifted up. And in so doing, you and I realize how lowly we are. And the Lord wants to lift you. The Lord lifts those who realize their helpless estate and who cry out for his intervention. So I just wonder, Jason, would you come? I just wonder, could we take a moment today Maybe you're here, and it's not hard for you to understand the need for lowliness and humility and being humble because you realize, I know I can't approach a God like that because I know I've done too much wrong. Perhaps you're facing something in your life that just leaves you depressed or anxious or feeling unworthy. Could we today just posture our hearts and say, Lord, I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace. But help me to be humble and lowly in your eyes. And would you lift my head? Would you lift my gaze? you and I wonder if we could just have that posture now ourselves a posture of lowliness of humility and just says I'm poor I'm weak I'm a beggar I'm in need and only Jesus only Jesus brings the satisfaction that I seek only the Lord brings the lifting I'm truly in need of and would you and I humble ourselves before the Lord in this moment and ask him to lift us? Lord Jesus, we pray that you would move in our midst. In this moment, would you help us to be humble? Lord, would you help us to exalt your name? Would you help us just to come just as we are, broken, in need of mending, 
weak in need of strengthening, humble in need of lifting. And God, would you do what only you can do? There is no one like you. Above the heavens, Lord, you sit enthroned above the earth. And what I love, Lord, is that Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus Christ didn't see equality with God as thing to be grasped, but you emptied yourself. And so, Lord, the, the high and exalted one humbled himself, condescended to us to become like us, to put on flesh and to die the death that we deserved and to make a way for us to be saved and to be lifted, God. So God, I pray today, would you save someone today, Jesus, by your power? Lord, would you lift up eyes today? Would you lift up hearts toward you today? And would you help us to gaze upon your glory? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, uh, would you just stand and we're going to sing and I pray that you posture your heart humble and lowly before the Lord as we sing these familiar words.